Sessions at the Artwork House is a monthly broadcast event. Notable guests from various industries join us on the Artwork House Discord server to talk about any topic they believe will be the most useful for artists who are working on improving their career or craft. To find out more about the Artwork House and to catch the sessions live, head on over to artworkhouse.org, where you'll be able to join our lively, moderated community. This month, we're joined by James Patel, a concept artist and entertainment design instructor who has contributed to some big projects, including Valorant and Seven Days to Die. His students have gone on to land jobs at studios like Marvel and Skybound, and today he's joining us to talk about some of the lessons he learned from attending one of the most competitive art schools in the industry. We're going to take a look at how those lessons can be applied to personal journeys outside of art school, to careers, and how he's applied them to help his students launch into some of these highly sought after positions. There's a lot to absorb here, so let's get into the session. All right, solid. All right, let me solve my timer here, just so we don't get too off schedule. All right, guys, um, thank you a lot, Galad. So I'm James. I'm an ex-engineer. Uh, I worked in AAA and indie and all different forms of the concept art industry. And I've also taught a number of students that have gotten jobs in similar positions, so AAA, animation, all such things. And I think given the fact that I went through a pretty rigorous uh, concept art school and I did this in a fairly decent amount of time, I, did, I think I went from starting to draw again after taking like a five-year sabbatical to getting a job in about two and a half years with having absolutely no idea what I was going to do at the very beginning. I have something to say about uh, just what you could do in order to semi-optimize your journey into getting into this industry. So ultimately, there's nothing that's a substitute for hard work and just doing things the, the proper and hard and fast way. But there are certain things you can do to save yourself some time, and hopefully you can provide some insight, especially from what you might be missing going to an art school and all these fancy-schmancy things. All right, before we get into the nitty and gritty thing, uh, I think bias is an important thing to talk about, so we'll get into this in a second. Um, and also, if at any point I'm inaudible or my audio cuts off or you just don't understand what I'm saying, just make sure you mention that in the chat and then we can talk over it again. However, going back to the biases part, I think it's important to understand that when I, where I'm coming from is basically from a place of employability and safety. So I will kill a lot of ideas that may seem a little bit too extravagant and it might be a little bit too boring and stiff at times. But realize that, again, like my major goal with most of what I try to do with myself or my students is just employability caring about the career first. And also, uh, with that said, understanding that um, this it needs to be done at a fairly small and quick amount of time. So a lot of the times, I think it's totally fine, especially if you're younger. It's totally fine to spend as much time as you want. Right? Don't try to push this. Don't try to rush this. Don't make this into some fanatical drive to get a job as soon as possible. However, if you are in my position, so I didn't try to become an artist until I was 25, so if you're in my position and you feel that little tinge of desperation and that little, you know, push of like, okay, well, I really want this and I don't want anything else, then I think it's reasonable. And I think we, me and you might align a little bit closer. So I've been in that position where basically there's no other alternative and everything sucks and you want to do something that actually feels good in drawing is that one thing for you. So if you have this kind of mentality, I think most of what I say will apply. But even then, maybe you can let me hear and something might have some utility to it. Okay. When I was 15 years old, I really wanted to go into art school in Singapore. And then I spent the next 10 years either studying or working to be an engineer. And then when I turned 25, I decided to go to Singapore and go to an art school. So I went to FZD, Fengzhou School of Design. And I'm not trying to make this into one long ballad about all my journeys and tribulations. Moreover, my goal over here is to try and dilute my experience into a bunch of actionable pieces that you can apply to your daily, daily life. 
So there are 10 things on my list over here. I'm not going to go through all through them, so bear with me. However, I think if you can apply maybe two or three of these, that's perfectly fine. Go on with your day and be better, be stronger. So totally all right. Okay, so we'll start with number one, and we'll talk about a couple of stories along the way. And I think that'll be fun for everybody involved. All right, number one is plain and simple. And bear in mind, a lot of these are going to be like, well, duh, slap your face. But remember that the information in the art industry and tutorials you receive, none of it is really going to stand out to you like, oh, that's what I was going to be missing. And this is the way I felt like a lot of the time sitting in classes that I paid $400 or $500 to be in for that day. I The information is not extravagant. There is no one-stop solution to getting a job here. It's more about putting a lot of time and consistent effort into trying to realize the nuances of the information we receive. So I hopefully I'll be able to help you out a little bit with that later on uh, with the question session. But number one, let's get to it, is setting the goal. All right, so we live in an industry, if you want to be an illustrator or a concept artist, it doesn't quite matter, but we live in an industry of briefs and specifications, right? Nobody's just going to say, hey, man, I'm going to pay you your daily salary, your daily rate to do whatever you want. doesn't matter to me. Everything that we do is intended to bring about some goal, some visual solution to a problem, make this look pretty, figure out how this looks like, present this in a way that will make our customers excited. Every single thing we do is towards a goal. And therefore, it will be optimal if every single thing we do in our studying, in our trials, also has a particular goal in mind as well. So this part is obvious. However, what might not be super clear is the fact that when you do not have a proper goal set, and I'm talking about the specificity to be able to say, hey, I want to get a job at this particular industry, in this particular workplace, with this particular type of job description. Maybe I see the specificity in one in every 50 students, perhaps, if that. But I don't generally see this. And the problem with it is that it's impossible to really truly know if you're succeeding or failing, if you're doing things that are positive or negative towards your goal, if you don't understand what the goal is, right? I'm all about this idea of measuring twice and cutting once. But if you don't understand what your cutting implement is and how much the measurement needs to be and what city you're in when you do the cutting, then this whole event becomes a little bit harder to try and accomplish. So setting the goal means thinking about, okay, I would like to work in this particular place with this particular job, with this particular IP, and trying to be that specific, all right? And what if you are wrong is a big immediate question. And the answer is, well, once you do it for a certain amount of time, you will know. It's really important to understand that you aren't born or you don't start this journey with a lot of information about yourself, all right? We are not masters of ourselves and our own minds just because we happen to be owning the mind. That's having all of these thoughts, right? So you have to put yourself in situations that gives you the experience to make the correct or wrong decision. There's a saying that goes, how do you make good decisions? It's with good experience. And how do you get good experience? It's by making bad decisions, right? So you have to be willing to open yourself up. Too often do I see people, and whether that be my fellow classmates or I see people just generally in discourse just like this one, that are meandering about, and they don't quite know. I asked you a question about where do you want to work? Uh, any job. I don't really mind whatever I get, or well, I'll just do something general, maybe concept art or illustration. It's too wide, right? It's hard enough to do one of these things well. Doing multiple is nigh impossible, especially if you've never done one good and one perfect before. Not even perfect, but at a, at a decent employable level. So don't make it harder for yourself, right? Realize that setting the goal, even though it might seem like giving up on all the other possibilities, we like to specify so that we can have more information to generalize in the future, okay? So setting the goal is important. Make sure that you're able to figure this out. And that way you figure this out, right, the actionable part is get a snapshot of your soul, right? That's what Ian McKegg always says, right? Get a snapshot of the things that you like. Look at the artists you, you envy, not just that you like, but you envy. Don't look at your own work necessarily. 
because you might want to be an environment designer one day and all you do is characters because all you've been doing so far is characters and then vice versa look towards your inspirations right look towards the people that you envy figure out what their job title is and what they did to get there right do the research to figure out what you like and remember that you don't have to be right to begin with right you are just trying to make an educated guess and that's all we can do until you actually work in the job make an educated guess about where you want to take your future and once you start involving yourself towards this goal you will get beautiful information really rich data not just something you read online but something of yourself a quick example is that i tried to do a lovecraftian project in school once and i had a horrible time doing it in just a couple of weeks right that's like a microcosm because i thought i really liked it i did it for a while i realized i hated it and then i moved on with that information Every encounter you have just makes you stronger. It's like a Dark Souls boss, right? You come away with it with more information, with more understanding, not just of the industry as a whole, but you and how you relate to this job. And this is important. So set the goal. Set the goal so you can actually reap the benefits of winning these encounters. Because otherwise, you never truly win and you never truly lose. It's very simple. And hopefully that makes some amount of sense. So set the goal. So while setting the goal, come to number two, which is maintaining the quality. In our first initial weeks at FCD, we were asked to do a bunch of really, really inane assignments. It involved drawing cubes, writing letters, drawing straight lines. And I'm not talking about one or two, I'm talking about page folds of A3, doing it traditional. Really, really like 10 or 12 or 15 hours of grueling menial work. And while I'm sure that it did help us a little bit with our coordination and our hand skills and all these things, I think the true reason they made us do that stuff, and I've heard it from teachers as well, is just because you're doing something with a level of focus, with a level of precision for a long amount of time. And that is the basis for any one of these jobs, right? Art aside, any job requires this, that ability to kind of focus. So I think it is super important to understand that we are getting hired or you will be hired to be a professional, to be elite, to be very good at a very specific thing, to be an expert. And that means that quality is not something that is no, uh, it's optional by any means, it's a necessity. And I got really ripped open when people critiqued my cubes, for example. They said, oh, there's a blotch over here, there's a little bit of a line that crosses over here. And I was like, man, what is this? What, what, why would you critique something so tiny and so um, just minuscule? And I realized that all this stuff, it, it just tends to exemplify itself. It tends to just make it larger and larger as you go into more and more complex stuff, right? These mistakes build up like a little loose bolt on a car that's traveling 300 miles an hour. It starts to build up and shake and shatter, right? So I noticed the people that were very careless with their cubes in the very beginning of the year, well, their portfolios didn't look so good at the end of the year. So attention to detail, trying to focus on quality is really, really important. And this comes to the point, the little actionable thing for step number two about maintaining quality is that you may not be a professional yet, but you can be. Your work can look professional. All you gotta do is have some concessions that somebody that is working a job can never have. And it's adding in steps and it's taking in more time, right? Some expert might be able to do a beautiful piece of work in a couple of hours. You will be able to do a beautiful piece of work maybe in a couple of days, maybe in a week, but you add more steps, you spend more time, but you do it right. The way you improve effectively is by finishing work, right? By doing work, not half-assing it, but doing it at that particular level, be it you're getting your proportions perfectly right, or you're getting your values right, you're getting your colors right. If you choose to engage at a certain level of finish or at a certain type of topic, doing it, engaging with it, and finishing it is the goal, right? Once you do that as well as you can, the lessons you learn are truly lessons. 
right? They're truly lessons that you did not know because you really tried to finish it. And I see this all the time. So don't try to submit like unfinished work or things you know could have been better to people that are going to tell you something you already know. It's intentionally shooting yourself in the foot. So time and steps, right? Focus on the quality, right? And one of the big things that we learned in the school is keep things simple to ensure this quality, right? It doesn't matter if you can draw a train really poorly. Why don't you draw a rock that's really easy to draw, but draw it really well. Draw it at quality so that the things you will notice with something so easy, the things you notice with the line work, those are real problems because that's something that you thought was easy, meaning that you're very, very good at, but it was revealed that you didn't quite know what you were doing there. And I guarantee you those same problems that were on the rock are also on that train along with a whole bunch of other problems, right? So you manage to isolate and control for the problem. So keep it high quality whenever you can. Make concessions in order to achieve that quality. Concessions with time and concessions with steps, right? As Add as many steps as needed to get to the output. All right, we'll touch upon that more later. Number three, it's volume with variety. So I said maintain quality and I stand by it, right? It's important that whatever you do, you try to push the quality to the, abs the absolute maximum that you can so that whatever people critique you on are things that are just coming from a blind spot, something that you just could not know. So you immediately are getting better from that kind of critique. However, it's important not to completely tunnel vision on the quality insofar as you're not spending an unlimited amount of time on one particular thing, right? It's important. And in the school, again, going back to our little stories here, we had four classes when we were learning our fundamentals, right? We had a class called Visual Communication, which is about moving things in space. We had a class called Forms and Materials, which is about painting. A class called Perspective, Self-Explanatory. And a class called Design Sketching, which is mainly about sketching things that are real and maybe a little bit of design towards the end. So we had four different classes, and all of these might seem like separate, but ultimately, this is just visual communication, right? It's just drawing. So all these things, they worked off of each other. So time and time again, I see people studying things like they just they say today I'm going to study just purely gesture. I'm going to do that for a month, month of pure gesture, month of pure anatomy, month of pure like composition or whatever. And I respect this, right? I think it's something that might make a lot of sense. But also please consider the fact that everything works with each other, right? You can't think about anatomy and gestures through entirely different things any more than you can think about value and colors through different things, right? They all work together. So I think one of the biggest things that accelerated my learning at school is the fact that I was doing things like learning how to move something in perspective or turn something in perspective on Monday and then having to turn something from a reference on Thursday when I did a design sketching and then learning how to paint a form that I could see that was being turned in perspective in any direction from any light source on Friday, right? So having everything, every one of these things relating back to each other was incredibly useful. So try not to make a huge concession without saying I will make sure the quality is good on this cube so therefore I will draw cubes for a month. This doesn't help you and doesn't help anybody, right? Because you don't understand where the cube is going or what to do with it. You're just kind of tunnel visioning on it. So this is like a weird anti-answer because I'm saying one thing and then I'm saying other thing but realize there's a balance to be struck here. Right? Spend enough that you're hitting quality but don't spend too long so that you're not sacrificing on variety. So try to find a good balance, right? You don't have to do the same amount as somebody in an art school, but you have to be considering the fact, am I doing this? Am I really doubling down on something? Can I use it in a more actionable way? Right? So hopefully that makes some amount of sense and it feeds into number four, which is the power of simplicity. So too often, 
do we take up on massive projects? I think we've all been in this location, myself included, where we take up on these massive projects, right? I'm going to be a concept artist, so therefore I will describe this whole universe with its own unique power source, with its own unique characters and its own unique story. And it's just become so vast and so wide that by the second week, you just don't want to work on it anymore. You'd rather come up with a new idea, right? A better idea, something that, that makes you more enthusiastic and inspires you more. And at the end of the day, you can end up with a bunch of unfinished ideas. It's two years later and you haven't really gotten better. So it's really important to understand that you can learn all the lessons you need to in the safety of just simplicity, right? Keep things simple. I've seen people take another class and no disrespect to them, of course. They might have a different intention, but I've seen absolute beginners be asked or asked themselves to design things like armor or bags or glasses or door frames and they have never drawn an actual door frame or an actual knight's armor or a backpack or any of these things before in their lives. And they're trying to innovate on this, trying to alter this thing. So realize that there's so much you can learn by just keeping it simple and just drawing reality, right? Keeping it simple and just not designing an entire world, but just design one tiny facet of that world and do it well. And this is important for a multitude of reasons because it becomes so difficult not just to accomplish a proper solution, but even to parse a proper solution, right? It becomes difficult for somebody to look at your we really weird, strange, bulbous alien design and say, you know what, man, you did a good job. Because realistically, there's nothing that I can really gauge that against, right? If I say I'm trying to make a Viking house, then we know what that is. It's easy to get that right or wrong. Goes back to number one, right? Set the goal. Specificity is really important. So remember that you can learn drawing by not having to draw people every day, you can just draw rocks and trees and then go from there, right? Go more, more and more complex. Set the goal, right? Set what you're doing at an appropriate level. So simple for you might just be doing a singular project and somebody like me with some experience might be doing a larger project and somebody that's way better than me will be a much larger project, something that I will fail trying to do right now. So set the goal, keep it simple, right? If something seems so contemptible that you're like, there's no way I couldn't do it, that's the one you need to start at. And do it a few times so you can convince yourself that that is beneath you. And then you go up from there. Okay, so be simple with the goal. Keep it parsable. And then up the complexity gradually. This is just like going to the gym, right? You don't try to go there and bench 225 on your first day. You build it up, right? You figure out something you can do for reps and do it more and more. You add some weight every single week or every single two weeks. And then eventually you hit your goals. So it's not too complicated. So very, very simple. The actionable part of this is control for outcome. Very simple. Right, so if you're trying to learn something, don't try to learn a bunch of other things along with it. If you're trying to learn how to paint portraits, for example, right, start with the black and white, and you know this guy, I think a lot of you guys will already have known this idea, starting with value and then going on with color. But also, if you want to do a bunch of um, really good portraits, did you ever consider just tracing over the drawing itself and then just doing the painting part yourself? Because you don't want to be worried about proportions. These two things are not entirely separable, right? The forms and the values that maintain the forms these things are not separate, so therefore you could waste a bunch of time to try and do accurate proportions, right? Or you can just focus on what you're studying and then get a lot of mileage and then just do all of it together on a separate day or after you finish a bunch of mileage, right? So control for the outcome, really, really important. Think about whether or not you're hitching yourself for no reason by trying to do a lot of things for no reason whatsoever, right? Keep it simple, control for the outcome. All right, number five, do the skill to better the skill. This is one of the real head slappers. So use the stones to destroy the stones. So you do the skill to get better. And this is something that I see a little bit too often um, on discords and just in general, like young artists. Um, 
a lot of times people say I am trying to be a splash artist and I look at their portfolio and they have no splash art on there. I'm trying to be a character designer. They don't have designs. Maybe they have some character illustrations, some anatomy practice, but that's about it. Trying to be an environment artist, but I see no cutouts. I don't see any actual turnarounds. I don't see anything that's really usable. And this is a problem because remember, you don't have to wait uh, years and years and years until you do the job that you want to do. In fact, your goal needs to be to try and learn as much fundamentals as soon as possible so that you're actually able to make your first possible piece of concept art or illustration or whatever your goal might be. Actually do the skill, because otherwise you will never get better at it. All right? There's no such thing as doing all the ancillary things. Right? You can't, again, going back to the analogy of lifting, you can't do all these things around the actual movement and then expect the movement to get better. Right? You need to understand the mechanical patterns, actually be under the bar and figure out all these little things that you can't account for. So do the thing to understand the thing, right? So I've taken a, I'm taking the keyframe course right now, and I have to relearn so many things that I didn't know. And I'm already working, and I got to think about all right, well, what do I do over here? What do I even though I should understand all these things because I'm some big shot professional, it's not the case, right? Not do I think this way. Everybody has to start somewhere, and you have to start practicing the skill that you want to work as. Okay, so don't wait. Think about what you can do. And if you don't know how much you can do that can apply to towards your skill, then that's fine. Just do one and then get something to be professionally evaluated. Right? Get somebody that does your work to look at your stuff and say, okay, is it good or is it bad? Is it worth it or is it not? All right? So please remember that fundamentals are important, invaluable, but they are not everything. There are different levels of laziness in this industry, right? Or in the attempts to get into this industry even, right? So you can be lazy by not doing your work. And you can also be lazy by not doing anything that is really productive towards your future. So I've been caught in this trap several times, and people around me have. It's inevitable, but please realize that if you're doing this, try your best efforts to get out of it, and eventually you should have no problems. But understand that it's important. It's important to actually do it. Don't wait until the end date, remember? You can do what you need to do. Add time, add steps, remember? Maintain quality, number two. And it's very important that you up that level, right? You up that progression. So don't just do the scale, don't just design a small barrel and just do barrels for the rest of the year. Up it, right? So I do a single tool, I do a collection of tools, I do the box the tools come in, the table it sits on, the workbench next to it, the entire room corner, then the room itself, multiple rooms, the house design, the house design with the neighbor's design, along with some background, I do a cinematic shot, and I screw zoom out, do a shot of the town, right? All these things, this progression. And that's the way that they taught us design at the school, right? So there was some theory involved, but most of it was just a gradually escalating sequence of problems, right? A small little, very well-referenced design, like a teenager's bedroom, all the way up to a vast, large courtroom or a king's throne room to multiple pieces in the same universe involving like a travel or a hunt, all the way up to like a superhero assignment where we did a couple of rooms, like a secret room and a regular room and a car design that goes along with the stuff. It's all about trying to up the complexity, right? But all the while doing the skill, starting from a point that is really, really simple. Our first designs in the school were literally just taking a function and taking a vehicle and adding these two things together. Zero design, all we did was weld them together properly. Or we took the head of an animal and put it on the body of a person that did some particular task, right? Simple, just trying to make this thing look okay, just trying to handle the transition and trying to do it well in terms of the presentation. Very simple stuff. No insane aliens and space marines and things like this. But simple stuff that you can do effectively and it builds you a solid foundation, right? So 
very simple idea. If you would think about fundamentals in terms of just art in general, then why not just fundamentals in terms of your ideas that you're trying to represent in terms of the level of skill required to complete your tasks, right? So very simple. Try to do the skill. All right. Moving forward. This is a fun one. Number six, walking alone together. Uh, this is really important. And uh, if you've been just casually paying attention from, from at the beginning, then I don't blame you. But now's the time to perk up because this is pretty important. So this one is about the fact that we all are going to be burning some midnight oil every now and again, right? We're all going to be treading this path to a certain degree. But usually I see people in one of two categories, and both of them are not super, super productive. The first one is the people that are completely on this super lone wolf journey and they don't want any involvement from anybody else. And the other one is from people that just literally cannot draw without people surrounding them. And realize that this journey is going to be a lot of both, but you can't do either exclusively. All right? You have to be willing to put time and effort and understand and figure out mechanisms to be able to do the work alone. And also, you can't just stay alone forever because guess what? Like the portfolio that you're going to be making to get into the job of your dreams that portfolio is really good, and I'm sure it's going to be fine, and you can apply to as many jobs as you like, but most likely what's going to happen is that that portfolio is going to be something that one of your friends or one of your colleagues or your colleagues' colleagues is going to be comfortable pitching to their art director or their production manager and saying, hey, man, this guy, he can do this work. I'm comfortable showing it to you now because he's actually done the work. Right? Word of mouth is everything. This industry is extremely small if you're working in entertainment media, so realize that everybody knows everybody. <laughs> Okay, so it's important that you have that connection. So art school and connections, these things go hand in hand, right? People say, why do you want to go to art school? It's for the connections. But realize that you have more control over this than you think. I have way more contacts that I've made just personally on places like this, like on Discord, don't underestimate the power of it, and just online, right? Messaging people on art stations. So it's important that you do the due diligence, right? And it's also important that you appear to be somebody of a certain degree of value, right? You don't want to be seeming like somebody that just wants to interact to get a job, right? And you don't want to be somebody that doesn't seem interested. So for a lot of you guys, um, even if you can't be a really good teacher to somebody, which I really recommend, right? If you learn something, share it with your friends, share it with people, try to help people out. It's important and they will remember you for it, right? But if you cannot do this, then just be a really good student. Right? If somebody teaches you something, really put some effort into learning that stuff. The people that stand out to me the most on Discord is I just casually tell, tell them something that I think is important. And the next time I see them in a couple of weeks, they come back and they have a bunch of work to show me. They've been like, hey man, I did this and I did this and I did this. I'm like, Jesus man, this guy must be serious about what he's doing. And I did a very similar thing when I was coming up where I tried to message people and even recently to try and build up relationships on even places like Discord, right? So I know coronavirus, we're all cooped up in our houses but when i see people that are very good that i would like to learn from doing things like studies on discord i just drop everything i'm doing if i have work that day okay finish up a little bit earlier if i can or i postpone a little bit sit down i do the study and when i see see them doing it again i do it again i do it again and inevitably people stop and they stare and they listen right they take notice of you because you're putting a lot of effort in something that they believe in or something that they're promoting it's it's easy to stand out in the eyes of people if you're willing to put that kind of effort in all right, and it's, it's pretty important because the first job I ever got was with somebody that I met on Twitch that I was doing studies with for a while, and we didn't talk for about a year. And towards the latter half of my college, she messaged me. She said, "Hey man, I saw your portfolio. We're trying to look for some artists, trying to hire somebody. Would you, would you be interested?" And I worked there, and a bunch of my friends worked there. And even till this day, we're talking and still exchanging. She's giving some of my friends jobs and all these things, right? So this is really important to understand: is that you don't walk together. So if you know somebody 
that is like this, take advantage of it, right? Show them that you can do something because who knows, man? Either you're going to give them a job in the future or they're going to give you a job in the future. So it's important to understand that while we do walk the solitary, I'm going to make this portfolio really good. Understand that a job in the entertainment industry is just like any other job. Connections matter. Your relationships, right? Your personal contacts with other parties is a super important thing. And I value my relationship with my friends and my classmates that I made in the um, in the school more than so many other things. The amount of things I would give up because I know that they have my back, I have their back when it comes to like getting a job or trying to get figure out a critique or whatever. It's important to build up these relationships. Uh, and of course, an important facet of this is that if they, I don't just talk to them for a month or a week or a year, I'm going to be drawing and they're going to be drawing, right? So tend to yourself. You are super important, right? So you have to tend to, tend to number one, but also at the same point, don't ignore the people around you. Super important. These The people that you are talking to on an average basis, they're dedicated. They could be handing you a job the next day, right? So be careful. Try to put in as much effort as you can into yourself and also, whenever possible, into others around you. And it usually will come back to benefit you. Okay, so hopefully that makes some amount of sense. Number seven, fun recipe and receipts. So we had a <laughs> we had a teacher called Kingston in FZD, and he had a big thing about post-it notes. And I always laughed at it in my first time. I was like, post-it notes? What is this? Right? Are we baking? But it turns out that he was absolutely right. But not in the way that you might think. So the point is, is that I've seen people go from being a novice at environment design, for example, to being hired by a AAA freelancing company or outsourcing company in a matter of like nine to ten months. And the reason is because what it represents is literally you writing down a mistake and trying not to forget it. Right? And this might seem shockingly obvious, but we all make errors in our process, in our work, and all the time. It's going to probably be repeating a couple of times, a few times, more than often it's going to repeat a bunch of times. So the mistakes you make are almost always the mistakes that you're always going to make. It's an oversight. It's difficult to overcome this because overcoming it is literally overcoming yourself, right? So it's important that we just have these visual representations, these reminders in front of us so that it prevents us from making the same mistake. Kingston used to say, if you make a mistake once, that's okay. Totally fine. How could you have known? You make a mistake twice, then go to the bathroom, look yourself in the mirror, and then slap yourself across the face, because why would you ever do that? Why would you ever trip yourself up like that? Might seem a little bit extreme, and that's because it is. And he said it in a much more nicer way, I think, um, than I did. But the point is, is that it's important that when you do these high-quality stuff, right, this variety of stuff we talked about earlier, right, high-quality stuff, it's important that whatever lesson you learn when getting advice, hopefully from somebody that knows what they're talking about, right, when you get in this advice, you write it down. You write it down, you talk about it, try to implement it in several pieces, keep it in the mind. And it's just 50. It's like 50, 40, 45, around there is usually the number that I see people make the little plunge. Because being a professional oftentimes is not really about being good. These two things are very separate in my mind. Right? Being good is spending a lot of time going through a lot of problems, that's all fine. But hitting a professional level at your work so much is about just reminding yourself to not be the worst parts of yourself. It's not about being strong necessarily. It's good if you are. But it's also about trying to mitigate your own weaknesses, to hide them, to avoid them. Right? So everybody does the same thing. Back when I was trying to learn how to draw faces, I always made the same mistakes. Right? I made the forehead too big, chin too pronounced, lips too low, the eyes are too wide apart, the eyebrows are too far away. Far away. I, can, I see it in my head because I had the note in front of me. Okay, so you will make the same mistakes over and over again have it in front of you because it's okay to make the mistake 
But then you read the post-it note and then you correct for it before somebody else has to tell you something that you already know. Okay, so write that stuff down. All of our MacBooks and computers and laptops, LFZD, we're just littered with just post-it notes and post-it notes and post-it notes. And it might seem a very silly and literal way of going about it, but I feel all the time you're going to get the same advice. And I'm sure you've gotten the same advice multiple times because I know I have. And um, the main reason is because, well, it's difficult to fight against yourself. But with a clear visual representation, a recipe, it's good. It's easy and it's possible to kind of surmount yourself in a small amount of time. So consider that. I think it's going to be really helpful. So as silly as it might sound, grab a notepad, post it note, doesn't really matter. But take notes down, right? Take notes down and look at them when you're doing your process. It's important. Not widespread, crazy, super in-depth notebook, doesn't matter. But just remember what the difference is, right? 50, it's a small enough number. If you can learn one thing from every single piece, then in 100 pieces, you're going to be a different person. So consider that and hopefully you can implement that. All right. Heading into more specific territory here, right? So we're assuming we've gotten a bit more advanced at this point. Number eight is contextualizing feedback. All right, so this is really important because when I hit portfolio stage for some of the pieces that got me jobs working at places like, or working for projects like Valorant, Feng once said in um, in school, I remember he said, don't do guns, man. I think specifically about my work, he said, hey, don't do guns, guns are low value. And I really like doing guns. But... And this is not a really good thing to hear. And I'm sure a lot of the things that I've said to my students or people I've heard all the time have been things that they don't want to hear. But it's important that if it's somebody that presumably, and judges the work, judges their jobs, presumably knows what they're talking about, then it's really, really important to put the information into context because people are only going to be speaking to you from where they're coming from themselves. All right? So we established my bias before, and my bias is about trying to be employable, trying to be safe, and everything that I'm doing is in service of that, right? So I've gotten advice that is so contrary to what I've gotten in my own school that it's, it really throws me off balance and makes me really frustrated, right? The, I think I'm, a lot of people have been here where you're getting a lot of conflicting answers. And the real reason behind that is because people are coming from different locations. If I ask an environment artist that works for a AAA real game and a visitive artist that works for animation to evaluate the same piece, I'm going to come up with two different answers. One of them is going to talk about the production value, the entertainment value, level of detail, composition, the lighting believability, all these things, right? And the other one's going to talk about shape design and color and mood and story, right? So people are going to be coming from different directions. So it is really important for you guys that if you have selected the goal, right? Number one, and if your stuff is at quality, number two, right? And if you have not been walking together or walking alone, rather, so number six, then when it comes time to get good feedback towards your future, get it from somebody that's already working a job or is working a job adjacent to the one that you want yourself. Otherwise, you will start to confuse yourself and confuse yourself really badly. In addition to this, even if they have this information, understand what their priorities are. So Feng's priority in the school, Feng, if you guys do not know, is the person that runs my school, or runs uh, the school I went to. His priority is safety, right? Even more so than myself. So safety in the sense that he wants the most value for the least amount of pieces so that we are guaranteed jobs because, you know, people getting jobs from the school is a really good thing, right? So when he said don't do guns, he wasn't saying guns are bad or you shouldn't do guns or I'm bad at guns. He's saying, I mean, you can take the risk. You can take the risk and do the guns, but if you just do a tavern, that'll be easier, safer, and more employable, right? So it's understandable. I think a lot of you guys may have heard this as well with things like character design and how there's not that many jobs out there. It's really competitive. It's fine. 
right? Understand that somebody telling you these kind of things, it doesn't mean that you've got to change your goals. It means you have to reevaluate or set your expectations. That's all it means. So what if character design is really hard, right? What if getting a job in your dream job in your dream company is really hard? That's fine. Right. It doesn't mean you got to give up. It just means you got to re-strategize and understand what that strategy might entail. It might entail you doing more work, or getting advice from better people, or trying to put in just more time in general per week to try and get your goals in your time frame. That's fine. Just understand what you're getting to and then be consistent with it. Right. So contextualize the feedback. If you're somebody that wants to be an illustrator and you're getting a bunch of illustration advice from concept artists, they might be in a bit of a problem. And likewise, right? if you're a concept artist and you get advice from an illustrator, what are they going to talk about? I'm going to talk about the design too deeply, even though there's a lot of design that is involved in illustration to begin with. But it's like visual problem solving. It's not necessarily design stuff. So realize who you're talking to and cater your expectations accordingly, right? Get feedback from people that know what they're talking about. Really, really important. Okay, number nine, and we're blazing through this. All right, so number nine is be visible. Getting a job in the art industry is oftentimes called unpredictable, unsafe. I mean, are you sure you want to do that? Don't you want to like just work a regular job and do art on the side? And I'm here to tell you that they're kind of right and they're kind of not. All right. So the point is that you're able to manipulate your luck because there is a certain luck element in getting a job here, right? But not in the way that you think. That doesn't mean that you can be super, super good and then spend the rest of your life, the rest of your life without a job. That just means that you have to consider how you're attacking this problem, okay? So the more you're out there, the more you get that chance, that chance for that little knock to happen at your door and suddenly you're in the industry. So understand that it's important to post often, to post everywhere, and don't be worried, right? If your work, if you're a certain type of person, right, like me, it's just forever, you're not going to care too much about, like, whether it's good or bad, right? Or rather, it's ideal if you don't care. And But some people just have attachments to it, and that's fine. But try your best to leave the judgments to other people, right? If somebody else is going to think it's good or bad, that's fine. But most oftentimes, the majority of people that I speak to, we are our own harshest critic, right? We'll nitpick and nitpick and nitpick. But that's fine, right? That doesn't necessarily mean that the work itself can't get you or land you a proper job. And sometimes, honestly, it's laughable, the kind of stuff that I post that it's got an eyes that's got me work. I'm like, that? You like that? But look at this thing. It's like, oh, I like that thing way better. But this is the one that I saw, so I clicked on your page, right? So it's really important to understand that you got to push yourself out there, right? You cannot wait for destiny to come knocking at your door. you got to start howling that stuff, right? You have to think about getting a job as a job in and of itself. So I have friends that are trying to document this stuff, and the numbers might shock you in the sense that they applied for, I believe, over 100 jobs. And at the end of it, after all the interviews and cutoffs, they had three jobs at the end of it. Right, So I think if you have this kind of expectation in the back of your head, life becomes a little bit easier because the brunt force of, okay, 100, I don't even know 100 companies, blah, blah, blah. But realize that that's just all legwork. Right, You can do that legwork. That legwork is accomplishable by you. You can look online, you can search an art station, you can ask your friends, and you can come up with that list. That's just a game of effort. That's not a game of luck. right? And if you really apply to all these companies with work that's worthwhile, that's at quality, right? then maybe you know some people at these companies as well that helps out then how is it not possible that you get a job at a few of these or most of these or some of these, right? You can't really manipulate that, but it is likely, right? It is likely that you'll get a job at more than a few of these. And if you don't, you just do the whole process again and again and again until it does happen, right? Or you reevaluate and you reassess and you re-strategize and you do it again, right? So it's super, super simple to think about this stuff. It's just that 
the more you're putting yourself out there, right, the more events you are participating in, and the more likelihood the probability is going to be in your favor. Okay, so push that little needle in your direction, temper your expectations accordingly, and do not underestimate just posting out. Like I said, leave the judgments to the people that are going to be giving you work. Nobody has ever said, man, that guy's really bad, or that girl's really bad, right? And we're never going to give them a job again. In fact, we're going to take their name and we're going to put it in a black book and blacklist them from the industry forever. This has never happened. All right? If the work is not at quality, people are just going to brush you over, look at the next person, right? And portfolio evaluations happen in seconds. Right, three seconds, no, not it. Okay, next one, next one, next one, next one. So think about the fact that it doesn't really cost you anything, but you have everything to gain. With every post, eyes get on your stuff and it's more likely that you'll get that one dream connection. And your whole life can just change overnight, right? You get your first job, first contact. Now you know seven or eight more artists that are just like you, that are working the same job, that have their connections themselves, right? And you put as much effort as you can into that job and you make even more connections. And your company's hiring, so you hire one of your friends to that company. This is a story that's been told since time immemorial when it comes to concept art or any type of um, entertainment art industry job. So think about it, right? So be visible and you can start to leverage the stuff. And number 10 at the finish line. This is an important one as well, very important, is uh, just never forget the goal. Very simple. So we started with number one, setting the goal. But number 10 is don't, don't forget what the goal actually is. Because it's easy to get caught in the weeds with this kind of stuff, right? When you're just really trying to strive every single day. And believe me, in art school, time and time again, find yourself at the brink of like, man, what is this? Every single day doing the same 3D, same traceover, same photo bash. It can get grueling. But I think at the end of the day, it goes back to what I said at the very start, right? The idea is, is that you have to try and think about what the goal is and then think about where you are and then make a call. Right? I used to call this the make or break situation where I had to think about the fact that, okay, somebody just told me that they don't want me to do guns, but I really like to not to do guns. What do I do? Do I just give up? There's always going to be this point where you have to figure out where you want to take a stand. And it's okay to make the wrong decision. Remember that the only true death you can really experience in terms of your career or the things you do to try and further it is stagnation. It's the lack of decisions that kills you. It's never making the bad decision, right? I've met people that are just so incredible that I don't think I'm help. Sometimes think I'll never reach that level, right? And they've said to me, man, if you knew exactly what I've done to get to this particular position, you wouldn't think it's impressive. Hopefully that makes sense, right? The amount of effort they've put in, it's almost like how can you not be good after that certain amount of points and a certain amount of investment? So I think it's really, really important to be aware about how you're feeling through these situations, right? And think about what your end goal is, and then make decisions accordingly. Okay, I didn't know particularly that I wanted to truly, truly be a concept artist, and I love every single day of my job. I think it's awesome. Employers are great. Colleagues are great. Friends are great. It's all awesome for me. But I didn't realize I wanted to do this job until about, let's say, four months into art school. And that was several thousands of dollars down the line. Right? And then I decided to like it. So it's always going to be a leap of faith, and it's never going to feel good and safe. Because, let's be honest, we're not doing this stuff because we want to be having a safe and secure career. But it so happens that safe and secure doesn't mean you're going to be happy or fulfilled, right? Like I said, I came from an engineering background, and I chose engineering because people said that it's going to be safe, and I can just draw on my free time. And guess what? It was safe, it was secure, and I had my future set out for me, and I didn't want any of that, right? But that's okay, because a lot of people might want to just keep it that way, and that's fine too. 
What's important is that you go through the circumstances so you're able to write a manual about yourself, right? To have effective intelligence about how you operate and then make educated decisions about your future. And that's a really, really big point. I remember watching these like yeah, Navy SEAL training videos and stuff like that to try and make myself get through certain tasks at my school. Like certain ones are absolutely grueling. Um, and then I realized that after a certain point, it doesn't quite make sense to do exactly what I was told at every, every single moment. It's important to branch off. So find your make or break moment. And I feel like once you're putting in enough effort, the stuff should be really, really clear to you. And don't don't stop chasing it. Don't stop chasing it to goal. It's very, very simple. Um, but yeah, the actionable part of this is just remember that we said at the very beginning, set the goal and then you'll get information, right? So if you are truly miserable, if you're truly miserable doing this and every single day is a chore to you, then this just might not be the thing for you. And that's totally fine, right? If you've been doing two or three months of steady work and you've been getting good feedback and you just feel miserable, right? Consider that this might not be for you, okay? If you're doing a certain type of art, like you're doing concert, for example, maybe it's time to shift, shift over to illustration, right? Or shift over to something else. Or maybe art in general is not for you and that's totally respectable, right? I think it's important to be just super aware of what your wants and needs are because that's what we hear at the end of the day, right? You're not trying to be an artist because you want to make huge amounts of money. I mean, there is money in this industry, but that's not what's motivating any of you guys, right? And hopefully it's not. But the point is you're doing this because you think it's something that you like, something that you want to do for a job, want to do for a living. So don't forget that goal and don't forget the things that make you feel like that's going to be your goal in the first place, right? So remember your core. But hopefully that makes sense. Summarize really quickly from the top, right? So we set the goal. Be specific so you know what right and wrong is, right? There is such a thing as good and bad art. And it's solely when you understand what the purpose of the art is. Right? If I, if I say, hey, draw Batman, you draw me a Ninja Turtle. That Ninja Turtle is not a good Ninja Turtle. It's a terrible Batman. You understand what I'm saying? So the brief is not being uh, read properly or executed properly. So therefore, that's how you know if you're doing a good or bad thing. So set the goal. Number two is maintain the quality. People do not hire amateurs. They hire professionals, hire experts at a particular type. And what's the best way to maintain quality while not already being a professional? Well, it's okay because professionals have deadlines. And you have no such thing to that same degree. What they produce in two, you can produce in four or six or ten or eight or whatever. Right? You can add the steps, you can add the time, hit the quality, and then once you hit that quality, once you have that goal clearly in your head, it's easy to start to skip out the steps, take a few steps out, and start to just produce a work faster and faster and faster. And before you know it, you're already there. Right? But hit that quality first. Right? Finish the pieces, learn those important true lessons, right? and then use them to better your process, to better your work, and to get it faster the next time. Right? Things that are oversights, things that could have been done better. All right, number three, volume with variety, right? Don't just spend endless amounts of time on one particular problem in isolation when you could potentially be reaping the benefits of the synergetic re uh, relationship that all these things have. So try and diversify the things that you're learning because most of the time, it's not going to be just one particular thing, right? So especially the earlier on you are, right? don't do a billion different things, right? Keep it limited. I would say two, maybe three things that are all related to each other, right? So if you want to do character design, let's just say, then you should be drawing people that are in interesting outfits already, right? Draw firemen, draw astronauts, draw people from the Middle Ages. If there any recreation outfits out there, you can do that. Draw armor, right? Draw all these super interesting things. And at the same time, don't skimp out on your gesture. Don't skimp out on your anatomy. You can do these three things, and you can do them every single week. 
and I can learn lessons from each of them. I drew, hey, I remember this pose I drew on Monday. Now I can apply the suit that I drew on Tuesday to this thing that I'm going to do on Wednesday. Something like this, right? I think it makes better sense and it allows your information to be better tempered in a shorter amount of time. Number four is the power of simplicity. Do not try and go crazy because it makes you it's harder for people to know you failed and it makes it harder for you to actually learn something. So controlling for the outcome by keeping things simple. It doesn't matter if the idea is not the most original in the world. It doesn't matter if it's not super complex and out there and innovative. You're just trying to learn the skill. You're trying to learn this craft, right? You wouldn't try to make a chandelier when you're trying to like blow glass for the first time, right? If you're trying to scoop dive for the first time, you don't jump in the open ocean, use a pool, right? So if you're trying to do design for the first time, you've never drawn a bag before, please, for the love of God, can you draw five or ten bags first so you actually understand what we're doing, right? Keep it simple, right? Really temper your expectations. If it's a project, don't do 15 or 16 things if you've never done a single thing before. Do one thing and then do a slightly more complex version of that thing. Then do one and a half things, two things, four things, six things. Start simple, right? And then build up a solid foundation, just like in the gym, right? Progressively overload. Number five, do the skill, right? Actually do it. Don't play at it. Don't say one day I will. This doesn't serve, all right? Always understand that you are in control. The sooner you get to that ability to actually practice the skill you want to get hired for, the more time you will be able to spend bettering that skill. Right, tangentially, I'm not saying that it's impossible to benefit from things like compositional study and gesture and all these things when it comes to your actual practice of design. But realize that once you have a fair foundation with these things, and you should be talking to people that are either working the job or are close to working the job for this call, say, hey man, uh, I just want to be able to understand, I just want to understand if I can just do this stuff right now. Like, can I just try my first small design? What do you think I should try? Or better yet, if you have nobody in mind, just try the skill. If you've been spending all this time learning composition doing plain air, then why don't we just do our first environment design and see how it goes? Hey, do maybe we can do five or ten and recognize where we're missing. And then don't you think that all the information you gain from there are consistently my lighting is off, consistently my composition is off, consistently my line art is off. You will learn so much about what you need and you will rest assured that all the things that you learn are super specific to the job that you want to work. Right? So you have the certainty in your mind. And what's better than that, right? I always talk about the gamification of learning and trying to get better at the skill. If there was a little progress bar over your head, a little little HUD compass indicator where you need to go, every single one of you would kill it. Right? It would be so easy. You'd, you'd outshine me in a matter of seconds. Right? So it's important that we try to get this kind of progress bar. It's important that we kind of get this, this compass by doing the work and evaluating what went wrong. Right? Figuring it out. Super, super important. Try to think about that. Number six is walk alone together, right? Be willing to do the work. Nobody's going to hold your hand and sit next to you while you do the work late at night. Unfortunately, and nobody is, you, you can't rely on these people. And honestly, like nobody's going to rely on you for this either. Because ultimately, it, it, nobody's, it's like a very unreasonable response, right? It's a very unreasonable ask to begin with. And I was going to say nobody like that even exists. Like I think it's unreasonable to even ask for that kind of help. But at the same time, just because we're doing this lone wolf shit every now and again, doesn't by any means mean that you should just separate yourself out entirely from your co-fellows, right? Because this job is something that we do together. We work together, right? And we're going to get hired together as well. So if you know people, you really take a lot of time 
if whatever time you can spare to show some value with these kind of people right don't be a job seeking like one dimensional person to them but figure out what their wants and needs are and try to service them right so if somebody is studying art along with you then that's fine you can take the route that i did when i was first trying to get better and just help them out help them with the settings say hey man you're doing this so I'm, I'm gonna do this with you as well i think it's studying anatomy or composition or whatever i'll do these studies with you i'll do it for a month or two months the impact that makes on somebody is very sizable you're not just saying a bunch of words to them you're actually doing a lot of work with them work for them one way or the other right so if you can't be a good teacher be a good student and make an impression because these people will be the people that you're going to be handing jobs to or getting jobs from in the future right people around you and it doesn't matter if you're not going to a fancy art school i have seen discords full of people all of us dedicated that all of us trying to get that job none of us having jobs and i fast forward a year and a half later every single person has something right has work and this happens all the time um, and realize that the more you invest in groups like this and even if you're not a part of a group like this yet you could be right uh put a lot of effort into this kind of stuff it's really really important because the portfolio like i said you can get that mail you can get that magic knock on the door but at the same time having somebody to lend you a hand never a bad thing all right recipe and receipts number seven so make sure that you are writing this stuff down remember 50 post-it notes so i truly believe that's a difference and i've seen it time and time again we make the same mistakes over and over again so why not just have them in front of us so we can try to overcome them on a daily basis and that's the only way you can really change yourself right with the gradual changes you didn't become the person that you are right now overnight nor will you become the person you want to be overnight but with gradual purposeful change things you know because you're doing good work and getting good feedback things you know are problems if you have that in front of you harder harder to get these things wrong Number eight is contextualize feedback. Do not feel disheartened if I or anybody else is saying something that you do not like. Figure out where it's coming from and how it applies to you. Is it somebody that is working the job and somebody with a similar background to you? Yes. Well, then you should really listen up. And if you don't like it, then time to think about making a stand. Okay, time to think about a make or break moment there. But at the same time, if you hear something that's really conflicting because there's so many sources of information out there, right? If you hear conflicting advice, please contextualize it, right? Think about who is saying this, what is their goal, what is your purpose? And think about what somebody, and I did this all the time, somebody at school would tell, tell me something like, hey man, the ergonomics are really bad, and then I'll message somebody on our station and be like, hey, uh, so you work on Riot or whatever, can you tell me a little bit about this? Because I, I got a critique about ergonomics on this, and I did some sketches, and I showed them a bunch of work. These people are just like you and me. Working a fancy job doesn't just rob them of their humanity. Right? If you come off earnest and you're polite and you put a lot of effort into your work, they will want to help you. Right? They will see themselves in you and they will want to assist you. Right? This happens so often, very seldom do I get a complete like no response deny um, on our station even with just complete cold call messages. Doesn't mean bother people constantly, but it doesn't hurt, right? What is it? Like five or six minutes of your time to establish what's potentially a really good connection. Right? So spend the time, be a high effort student, get these questions answered within context okay number nine is be visible so do not wait for that people to come knocking right try to put yourself out there whenever you can right doesn't matter if you think you're good or bad you leave those judgments to people around you so putting my stuff out early on art station i think got me a lot more looks and a lot more opportunities than people that are waited until they make the perfect portfolio remember that a perfect plan that's never executed or executed too late it's beaten by a plan that's executed first that may or may not have been way more imperfect 
Okay, so get the work out there. There's literally no downside. Nobody's going to be blacklisting you or whatever. It's all good. Put it out there. Get visible, right? Because um, the more you can do that, the more opportunities you can leverage, right? So post, post often if you can. Of course, quality things, but uh, don't underestimate it. So LinkedIn, Reddit, ArtStation, Instagram, Discord, all these things, super, super good. And don't forget that when you're doing this posting, temper your expectations, right? Your piece could very well be super hireable and get no attention whatsoever just because it wasn't somebody was not looking, somebody was too invested into the, into their wordle of the day, or somebody was looking the opposite direction when they were scrolling and they missed you. Well, fat fat chance, whatever. It's all good because you're going to be posting the same thing or similar quality thing a week from now, a month from now, two months from now, three months from now. You're going to be persistent, and there's literally nothing that can get in your way if you're persistent about this stuff. Right, and number ten, don't forget the goal. Right, so he said, set the goal, get the information, and if the information you're getting is not consistent with what you thought was happening, be willing to admit that and then alter the goal. Say, okay, well, doing super basic environment art is no longer something that's enjoyable to me. I will do something adjacent. Use the information and try to get where you are. Why did I join engineering? Well, I, I said it was because I wanted to be safe, but I didn't. I didn't join banking and I didn't join like uh, trade skill. Uh, the reason I joined engineering was because I wanted to make robots, right? I, I watched Star Wars as a kid, and I saw C-3PO and R2-D2, and I was like, oh, well, I want to make that, right? I want to make these things. They're really cool to me. And then I realized after doing, I don't know, five years of intense programming and all these sorts of things, right? Sitting and debugging code and trying to make sure that certain arrays fit properly and then of manufacturing PCBs and things like this, I realized that I don't like building them, but I do like looking at them and drawing them and figuring how they look. That's the part that I really like. So truly, I, I never changed from uh, when I was 15 or whatever. And I, I never truly changed. It's just that I understood more about myself and I made a more educated decision. And once I got out of engineering, I spent a year trying to be an illustrator, right? And I realized that even though I really like painting the stuff and it's kind of cool and I like it way more than engineering, I don't really like spending 15 hours or 16 hours just refining the single part of this, this image. I care way more about like what's actually going in it rather than what it like truly looks like at the end of the day. I care about the design itself, right? And that's why I tried concept art. And believe me, I didn't jump into this knowing with 100% certainty that this is exactly what I wanted. Not by a long shot, right? But however, I at that point, that was my best possible guess, right? That was my best possible guess. So therefore, that's what I did. And it turned out to be finally after all this trial and tribulation, trying, trying, trying again, that was the right one. And then that ended up with me in this industry. And every single day is an absolute luxury. It's an absolute privilege to work in this industry with people that I know, uh, with the jobs that I work. It's, it's fantastic. I, I don't think people talk about this enough because when you hear about, and we'll end on this because it's a nice, positive, lovey-dovey note, but I don't think people talk about just how fun this job is, man. It is really, really fun. right? I grew up in suburban India where... People don't even know what art is, let alone like there's an entertainment industry out there. And I've managed to get, thankfully, thankfully, so much work remotely um, in the wake of COVID. There's so much work uh, being handed around as well. Uh, so hopefully you guys will have an easier time on that stuff as well. Um, but it's been phenomenal, man. Every day is incredible to wake up to. So this is cool. It's a cool job. Um, if, if it's something that you like doing, remember, it's got to be something you like. Otherwise, it's always hell. Feng always told us, never, ever chase the money. Always, always chase what you like, right? Those are one of two major adages. The second one being always, always under-promise and over-deliver, right? But the first one I think is really important. Don't chase the money because, yeah, ultimately, like I said, you're not trying to be an artist for the money. So figure out why you're trying to be an artist and then set that goal and then do the rest of the steps and then get to that solution. All right. 
that's the end of the uh, the 10 points and hopefully didn't take up too much of the time by my clock i seem to be bang on at almost an hour yeah you nailed but it if there is yeah else we get to get to some questions i think awesome so yeah we'll open uh, if you guys have any questions you can go ahead and put them in the event chat channel um while people are kind of processing because that was man that was an info dump i loved that that was a ton of stuff um i have a couple of things i'd like to ask and highlight but first let's go ahead and take a look at this question by lende uh they ask i have a question on the be visible stuff should i post every work i do like practice stuff finish pieces x uh, etc to be more visible or should i sift out my pieces to be the highest quality because if the evaluation uh, meaning the evaluation of a portfolio goes in a few seconds wouldn't bad pieces not interfere with that goal yeah, so that's 100% correct. So when I say post often, I mean post that portfolio on different, like bump it on different websites and all these things, but definitely the pieces themselves need to be at a certain level of quality before you actually post them, right? So constantly try and keep updating the portfolio with better and better stuff. But when I say post frequently, I'm not talking about the frequency of like an Instagram, like post twice a day or whatever. I'm talking about like maybe once or twice um, in every two weeks. That kind of goal I think is perfectly reasonable. And if not, then just post at whatever frequency that you can manage within your time frame, right? So if you can only produce really good work in like three weeks or so, then so be it, right? Post at that kind of frequency. But most of the time, I think standard is usually you do a project of like seven or eight weeks, something like this, to make um, 10 pieces out of which maybe four or five of them are useful. So you just swap them out if there are really bad or old pieces in your portfolio, or you just add them onto your portfolio. But you're uh, very correct in the sense that you've got to be um, at quality. And in sense of uh, doing your practice stuff and your, your just your kind of recommendations on what to post within that, I think uh, if you want to do studies, you can put that on like your Instagram or whatever, that's fine. But on your actual like portfolio website or your art station, for example, then if you're going to be doing that many studies um, that are postable, then most likely that'll uh, be communicated in the quality of your work. So you don't have to post your studies with there. I will recommend that everybody put a link to your other social media in your art station because um, this has happened multiple times for me where they said hey man really liked your work on art station but we saw you had an instagram or whatever in your description and we clicked on that we loved your illustrations man really really cool and uh, that's what you want to get you because we, we want you to do a little bit of both and that's really helped a lot so uh, i think for these little tiebreakers right because i'm assuming what they what they implied was that they had multiple people in mind and they looked at the they did some further reading that was really helpful um, so do your studies, put them somewhere else, so people know you're doing them, I suppose. But on your art station itself, or your portfolio itself, curate that, that needs to be your best work. And whatever frequency entails you doing your best work, at that frequency, try posting as often as you can. Makes total sense. Um, so I've actually got a question for you here. Going back to the walking alone together stuff you were talking about, like that <clears throat> is... I, I agree with you. Like, I think that's actually one of the like most important things uh, outside of just your, the standard, like being able to create art at a consistent level. Right. But I think that that's one of the, maybe I should say the most overlooked things. And I'm curious to hear if you think that there are any specific environments that tend to be more conducive to that. Cause that's one of the things we're trying to do here is we want to make that type of an environment where people not only have the resources, but have access to other artists who can work with them on that. So do you think that there's a type of environment or a type of mindset that tends to be conducive to that kind of finding a group and bringing everybody in the group up? Or do you think it is more based on the person? Okay, so a uh, lot to break down there. Um, but I think from whatever I've seen this kind of thing happen successfully, it's usually been centered around one or two people that are already 
somewhat savvy. Um, so I think centering around these kind of people are good. So if you spot somebody that is already almost there, already working and or just freshly working or whatever, I think these people are people that you can start to just figure out what they are out to try and do. So one of the most common examples of this is like just Twitch streaming. The number of super proficient um, concept artists or illustrators or professionals on Twitch is really, really, um, it's crazy, incredible number. And if the, all the communities, they have events that they post, or they have their own discords that they post at, and um, these discords are things that you can join, or these events are things that you can join, and you can try to stand out, do a lot of effort to try and make their make their stuff look really good, because they're going to appreciate the fact that you're up in the level of competition and you're showing so much rigor. We're trying to make sure that they, the stuff that they care about is successful, and they're going to notice the quality of your work, and instantly you build this connection that uh, would not have existed otherwise, right? Because you're not coming... You're not opening your hand and asking them for a handout. You're providing them with the service within your own capacity and therefore becoming a high-value person in their eyes. right? So I think the same thing can be applied to basically any community where if they are people that I feel like you can kind of center around, right? Because this is not like a leeching mentality, even though I think it sounds a lot like that, but it's more like trying to uh, build upon somebody else or build with somebody else that can reach down, somebody that's higher than you that can reach down and convincing them that you're worth picking up in the first place. So I've seen people um, on communities like, for example, Warrior Painters is a wonderful Discord server, and they do Plain April. And you'd be so surprised about the, like, the incredible level of people. I'm so surprised when I jump in there. I'm like, holy shit, like, your work is so freaking good, and we're just casually having a conversation there. I keep it to myself, of course, because nobody likes a fanboy. But I'm like always constantly amazed that like the fact that I'm in here and trying to like participate in this event sometimes that I get to do it with these kind of people and you will stand out. Same thing with taking courses, right? Take a course with a, with a teacher and I talk to a bunch of like fellow teachers and like different services like Brainstorm and even like FZD to a certain extent. And when a student does super well, that's going to be noteworthy in the teacher's eyes, right? So if there's a study group you're a part of or if there's a Twitch stream or a community that you're part of or even if it's um, just like a random things like art station events that you're part of, put a lot of time and a lot of heart into this stuff and try to really demonstrate um, the value that you offer and inevitably people will turn around and people will um, get more keen on what you're trying to do right so I think it's uh, just about like an effort game uh, and trying to find the right uh, place to do that and the right the most right place if you like uh, don't spend too much time just like jumping and jumping to search for the ideal case I think you'll be surprised just how much you can accomplish even within like your own groups every one of you guys probably has your own group um, of friends you hang out with right like I think it'll you'd be surprised how much you can kind of push for. So just be that force. Uh, try to put a lot of effort into, into stuff and yeah, just demonstrate that value and uh, inevitably people are going to be recognizing you for it. Yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, right on, we got a couple others here. Uh, the coat asks, my question is, do you like painting portraiture? Uh, I used to do portraiture a lot and this is actually a good question because I started portraiture mainly because everybody that I knew was a portrait artist. And this is funny because a lot of you guys might be doing concept art illustration because all your friends are concept artists or illustrators. So um, I like it to a certain extent. The way you figure out if you like something and if you want to work it as a job is you just take that thing, you do it for eight hours a day, and you do it for five days a week and then see if you still like it. And if you do, then probably going to be okay. Then up, then start upping the complexity. And then eventually you'll realize that, yeah, it's fine. I can do this for a job. <laughs> so I don't want to do portraits for a job because I've, I've tried that and I've gotten that information. So um, that's one of the biggest reasons why I, I'm telling you guys to... If you have a feeling you might like something, right? Just just put it up to uh, put it up to the actual effort, right? Actually set it as a goal, and then do it regularly and get that information. And it's really really uh, solid when you do. 
you'll know that information about yourself for a long time. So uh, yeah, I like it, but not so much as uh, wanting, wanting to work a job in it. <laughs> That's a great litmus test. Yeah, I, I, there's been a lot of stuff like that where I'm like, oh, I want to do this. And then a week and a half in, it's like, boy, I do not want to do this all the time. <laughs> Uh, right on. So uh, Mila asks, relating to the simplicity point, with regards to the idea of dream projects, the general advice I've heard is to just make it instead of waiting till you're better. And this falls in line with your point about actually doing this skill. However, sometimes these dream projects you have in mind might be huge, complex ideas. How would you recommend evaluating how much you're actually ready for it? Or is it best to take that IP in small steps, kind of like you'd mentioned, like I'm going to start with this first piece of design and then advance piece by piece? as long as you're doing the skill? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I would start, start it like, like this, perhaps. So understand that like doing a project itself is a skill, right? Being able to dedicate that amount of time with pieces that all relate back to each other, that's something that you have to have someone want to experience about before you embark on the journey of doing a larger projects. So I think you have to ask, ask, ask yourself a couple of questions first. So number one, how many projects have I done before? What are the scale of those projects and how complex were those projects, right? And if you've done a few of these, right, of a sufficient scale and a sufficient level of complexity, then I think it's totally fine. Just embark on it right now. However, um, if you haven't hit the scale or complexity of your stuff, then that might be a question. So you might want to pick something a little bit simpler to build yourself up there and actually get that skill required, right? So I do agree with the sentiment that don't wait forever to do your dream stuff. And you can always just do a little bit of it on the side. I can do things that relate to it. I remember a slight tangent here, but I remember Feng saying that um, he always wanted to work on Star Wars, but he never got jobs at Star Wars at the very beginning. So he would only accept jobs that had some level of like technical uh, proficiency involved in the design, so that he could actually work on like complex robotic things or steampunky things. So when it came time for him to apply to Star Wars directly, he'd have like a solid portfolio and experience to be able to do this effectively. So I don't think wait forever is the solution. But I think you can build up to it. So you can build up in two ways, right? So if you have all the necessary skills and wherewithal, then start your project small. Like you mentioned at the later half of your question, started not designing everything and every little aspect of it. Just, just do a couple of test designs, right? Because if you have a whole bunch of writing, then you should be able to make like a wristwatch or a thermos flask or a chair or an oven or a small kitchen or something like this in that universe and really help yourself understand how well you understand it yourself. Okay, so you can start small and build it up, build it up that way. But if you don't have that kind of acumen um, already, then start to do small but similar projects, right? Just like how um, if you're trying to learn how to paint, you would start with your, your spheres and your uh, your cubes and these kind of things, right? If you want to learn how to do large projects, then start with a really small project, right? So let's just say I'll give you uh, an example. If you want to do cyberpunk stuff, right? Then it might really be important to first of all figure out where uh, or what kind of cyberpunk you want to do in, in the beginning. And then pick maybe like a really good um, starting point for that, right? So doing really complex like studies of techware, perhaps if you want to do characters, or doing studies of like certain areas in Tokyo itself looks super super cybernetic, or there are lighting shows that happen in Vegas that have a very cyberpunky feel. You can just start with those kind of things, right? Draw something directly inspired by those because it's right in front of you. It's easier, smaller scale. Do like a bus stop or do like a like some sort of entertainment facility, a smaller one, or do like um like one of those carnival games or whatever. Uh, do a small side street, a small um, ramen store, these kind of things. And then do that as a small three-piece or four-piece or two-piece project. And that'll give you a lot of information, right? And then you go gradually higher and higher. So even when you do your dream project, if you really think that you need experience with a larger amount of work, let's just say you try it once and it doesn't work out too well, 
then maybe you want to work in the same field, but do it easier. So a lot of the times uh, we're recommended to not ever do our own IPs for these large products to begin with, but just design for a book. So you don't have to care about having the IP be good from the ground up, but it's somebody else's IP, something that's already popular, hopefully, hopefully, and um, something that you don't have to worry too much about the story or all the beats or all the character descriptions. You can just focus on the design. And then once you do like 10 pieces or whatever of that book, then 100% you'll be ready to do whatever you'd like to do. So I think this all depends on what your personal background is. So make a call, right? Figure out where you're at in terms of like your own ability to handle large projects or whatever. And then either start small with the project of your dreams or start another project and um, try to build up those like requisite like project uh, handling capacities that, um, that you will use inevitably for your own projects. Yeah, to add on to that a little bit, I would mention like projects tend to get much easier once you are not working with a blank canvas. So like, so to speak, literally and figuratively, right? So when you have something down, whether that's like, uh, like you're saying, you know, just a smaller piece within that universe or something, that's going to inform future designs and it will get progressively easier. Like the more you're working on a similar world or IP or uh, universe, you know, because you, you get more of that shape design and you start to have some of those decisions be made. And the first bits are always the hardest. Uh, yep, 100%. Let's see here. So Volk asks, is junior artist typically the position you'd get when breaking into the industry? And what kinds of things are junior artists usually asked to draw? Yeah, that's a good question. So. I think this might um, beget a slight tangent, which is concept artists or uh, illustrator themselves are quite specific positions. So things like UI, if you like, are way more common or something more on the um, production side are way more common in the industry. So realize that just having a concept artist role, uh, such as a junior concept artist role, is um, something that is a company has to pay like a full salaried position to maintain this role, which is not all that common. So depending on the size of company you get into, or depending on just the level of your work, you might not necessarily have to break in as a junior. If you're joining an indie company, you might your title might be something like concept artist slash illustrator slash UI designer because you wear so many hats in indie. Or alternatively, if your work is at a certain level, you might just get hired on a full concept artist salary. I have friends that had um, come in through like industrial design degrees and worked in that industry and then transitioned to directly concept artists. Um, and I've seen people jump into senior positions as well from adjacent industries. It doesn't happen all that common, but it'll just depend entirely on what your level of work and um, comparative experiences in related fields um, that what you're going to be breaking in as a, as a job title is going to be. And of course, like the job itself may not exist in the case of some companies, so uh, it might be folded into some other position. So bear in mind, always depends. Um, do your research in the companies you're trying to apply towards see what positions are available and that'll dictate uh, generally speaking what you're going to be accepted as um so hopefully that makes sense but the words like junior concept artist or associate concept artist are usually used for um these kinds of positions and um yeah it'll just depend on what your work looks like on uh, what you get hired as okay and beyond that what kind of things are junior artists just asked to draw usually so again it's going to be really uncomfortable and i hate giving ambiguous answers but unfortunately because the industry is just so vast and varied and there's so many art directors and everybody's just so quirky that there is really no standardization so it'll depend on the company unfortunately but most of the time generally speaking it's going to be lower impact stuff so if they had the senior design the main like for example we'll just pick a project right for example ghost of tsushima sucker punch game 
So I think uh, Mitch Morhauser and Naomi Baker were the character designers on that project, along with somebody else as well. Um, those are the two that come to mind. Sorry, third person. So they're going to be designing the coolest stuff, right? Main villains. Um, they're going to be designing um, the main character themselves and the characters. I think that's like a, the father figure in the in the series as well. They're going to be doing all the cool designs. Uh, you might be doing enemy design number seven. You might be doing uh, character armor variation number 52. You might be doing oh, horse armor this or bag that or miscellaneous stump this or whatever the production might require. That's possible. But alternatively, you might be doing something insane. Right? I've heard people uh, do entire like crazy logo changes or uh, immediately start to do revamps of like really outwardly important parts of the game on their first few days on the job. So I think it just depends on the way the company structure uh, is. But I think generally speaking, for about 70 to 80% of your jobs, it's just going to be lower impact stuff, right? More production-oriented stuff. Um, so when I say production-oriented, it's not meant to necessarily look extravagantly good. It's just clarification work, right? So there's a, a house with a bunch of things in it, and the things are really blurrily painted in, or really super quickly photobashed in. And he'll say, hey, man, uh, the 3D artists can't use this. Do you mind just, like, giving me some sign designs and some box designs so they can just model that and put it in the game? I think these kind of things are really, really common. Like, for example, uh, when I worked uh, on the Outsourcing Studio for Valorant, they asked me to do, I think I can talk about this, most likely, they asked me to do, like, uh, puzzle piece designs for the puzzle um, piece skin line. And the assignment was really, <laughs> they remember my art director, Pete, said, um, that, hey, man, sorry about this, but, like, you're going to do something really boring today. And I was like, I don't mind, it's all good. And uh, I just had to draw and design puzzle pieces all day, right? Uh, because that's, like, grunt work, and uh, the people that are getting paid this, like, um, I'm sorry, people that are uh, higher up in the studio that have much better skill set than me, their time is going to be severely underutilized if they were doing a really menial task like what I was doing. So a lot of the time, your work as a junior is going to be to try and clarify stuff, to try and do stuff, but there's so much cool stuff you get to do as well. It's not all boring, but a lot of the time it's clarity and just making sure that things work for production and doing some of the more lower impact stuff is going to be your job. For, that makes sense. Yeah, just to add on to that, I can give at least some kind of direct examples. Like James is saying, it's going to be very based on the the studio, right? But I can say like at the studio that I are direct at, usually it first of all depends on when the junior is coming in. If we're in the middle of a production crunch, they'll tend to get slightly higher impact stuff because everybody's just running crazy and it needs to get done. Versus if it's somewhere where we're not crunching, it is going to be a lot of like fleshing things out. Usually it won't be working from a blank slate. It'll be like, okay, we have these ruins and we actually need a couple different iterations on whatever this archway for it. Or we need, uh, you know, we need a chest that'll fit in this or just little, little fleshing out of, of kind of where the, the seniors or the, the higher level artists lay the framework. And then the juniors will come in and just kind of clarify things that are, important but not overall defining things so i don't know if that helps at all uh but yeah i would say at least at the place i work it very much depends when you come in because there have been some times when i've had no choice but to give like a more junior artist that just came in like something that's more impactful just because like we're backlogged <laughs> out of our minds and we just got to get something like pushed so yeah, and I think that's a great point to mention as well, is that uh, depending on when production uh, is and um, just how urgent the needs are, you can really start to, I'm talking about all you guys could really start to push for jobs that you might otherwise never even get, right? When production is kind of desperate for people to fill out the position, you'd be surprised 
um, about the type of work they're going to be pulling. So all the more reason that you got to put yourself out there because it might just be at the exact moment that they go, if we need somebody right now, they can do something. I don't care about just how well they can do it. I just need it right now. You can find yourself in a very unique situation. So, um, yeah, all the more reason. Um, that's a good point to make about production requirements. Yeah, if you get lucky on the timing too, you can make some some pretty significant jumps. Uh, like uh, sometimes getting thrown very much into the deep end, but it looks really good on the resume. So, um, cool. I will give it a second to see if there's any other questions. Uh, one thing I wanted to just highlight, it's not so much of a question, but I really like how you mentioned in the be visible, you know, that kind of post off and post everywhere. I've actually heard hmm. this, this idea. I 100% agree with it. And I've heard it somewhere else. Um, Jack Conti is the CEO of Patreon. He does like Pomplamoose and stuff. He put out a whole video on what he calls funnel theory, which is basically the same thing. The idea being that like life operates in funnels. And as creators, one of the most efficient things that you can do is rather than spending your energy and your time judging whether it's something you've made is good, you make it as well as you can. And then you put it in the funnel and you let the funnel decide. So um, as you were talking about it, you know, applied to jobs, it's like maybe you apply to 100 jobs, you get interviews at like 20 of them, you know, eight of them call you back for a second. And then, you know, maybe three, you end up actually getting an offer, right? But you've essentially funneled like a large number of things down to a small one. And it'll work the same with, with artworks too. Like if you're just putting everything out there and then kind of gauging response to it, the top pieces are going to kind of naturally settle to the top. Um, and you can apply that across a lot of different pursuits. So not a question. I just wanted to say, I, I really like that you included that. And I think that like, that's something that's very often overlooked because of course we want to put our best foot forward as artists, right? Like we're going to want to only put things that we know people will like, but oftentimes you're missing opportunities because those Funnels don't always funnel the things that you think they will. Yeah, 100%. Also reminds me of a study that was done with people that were asked to do a single piece of artwork in like a longish amount of time versus people that were asked to do daily pieces of artwork in that same amount of time. And it ended up with people that did the uh, the daily ones at the end of it with had better work than people that worked on like this, this magnum opus. So it allows you not just to like have more opportunities, but again, as you said before, allows you to just kind of go through so many like mistakes and fail enough that you have such a good understanding of what you're doing that lets you um, kind of just break through a little bit faster. So I think mileage is really, really important. Of course, quality is important as well. Um, but uh, just having that immersion so many times, like so many times it's just immersion in an idea um, just gives you that ability to be nimble and navigate uh, a lot more effectively. Yep. All right, well, we've got one other question uh, by Volk here uh, asking, is becoming a skin concept artist much easier or harder than becoming a character concept artist? Okay, um, so I think as a slight like tangent to your question, the whole idea of like specializing, um, look into it a little bit uh, further for um, other um, job uh, opportunities as well. So it's gonna depend on what the competition is, it's going to depend on what the availability is in that how many characters and how many games even have skins to begin with. Um, because it's a good question to ask in that people oftentimes forget that character design, you can go a lot easier on it by just doing costume design or doing grunt, like actual like NPC enemy designs and even skin designs like you just mentioned, right? So to your question, I think it'll entirely depend on a couple of factors. Number one is how many skins do that does a particular company even make? So um gun skins is what i was doing right so um on on valorant 
and a lot of my friends do similar jobs for games like Apex uh, and even things like um, what's what's that Cyberpunk game? Cyberpunk uh, 20, 2077, that yeah, one. Yeah. Um, uh, so this happens all the time. But these games are large enough that they can support that as like a full-time position, right? So for you to be a skin concept artist, that basically narrows you down to very few companies, right? Maybe like Mobile Legends, maybe Smite, you know, maybe um, things like Valorant or things like Riot, um, other Riot games like League, sorry. So the number of companies kind of goes down, but maybe the number of people significantly goes down as well, right? Maybe most people want to just do splash art. Or do like actual character design on new characters as opposed to doing skin concepts. So in that regard, it gets better. So twofold answer to your question: number one, forget about whether it's easy or harder. Just, do you want to do that, or do you are you trying to do this because it's you're trying to like get into the character design industry sideways into Riot or something like this, or do you really like doing costume variations? Do you really like doing different like darker or lighter or more eldritch variations of characters? Because if you like it, then the harder and easier part doesn't matter to me, and it shouldn't matter to you either. However, when it comes to just the raw employability, I think it depends. So I think looking to try and get into uh, a more specific version of character design, which is like costume variation, might be a little bit easier in that you don't have to design the base characters, you can always riff off of them. So it's a little bit easier in that sense. Um, but also, you're going to be um, competing for a lot more of a specific position. So I think... If you really like this stuff, right, I would cater your portfolio in a way that you're still doing a more general thing, like just character design or prop design or costume design or whatever. And I would include in, like, let's say in a portfolio of 10, I would include maybe four or maybe five, if that, um, skin variations along with the main presentation, or maybe the skin variation is the main presentation, so that it's more like a character concept art specializing in skin concepts as opposed to skin concept artists. So that way you're opening yourself up to a lot more positions out there for general application, and you still have enough stuff to pitch towards companies and actually have that specialized position to hire you. So kind of um, you're still specific, right? Because character concept artist is specific in and of itself. Um, but you're giving yourself an outside chance. That's why my portfolio, even though I have a, a crazy number of like, um, I mean, maybe not right now because it's very uncurated. Um, but also that's a, uh, sorry, quick little side note here. Uh, don't judge people's portfolios after they get a job because most of the time they're just like me and they're like, who gives a shit? I only have a job. So, um, I'm fine with it. So be careful with that, by the way, because a lot of art directors do this. A lot of senior consultants do this and, um, it might give you a very wrong impression of what it takes to get into the industry. Uh, don't judge the portfolio on ArtStation. You can always message them and say, what did you submit to Blizzard or whatever, and get the actual document if they're willing to share it with you, because the results might really be surprising. Okay, side note aside, um, so think about having a more, slightly more specific, I'm sorry, slightly more generalized portfolio that includes your specific skill set, so that way you can get a little bit of the best of the both world stuff. So, for example, I used to have like a couple of character designs along with like majority environment stuff on the offset on the off chance that I actually get that kind of job because I was interested in working it, working that kind of job um, or something like last year. And I worked the job, realized I don't like it, that's fine. But that's what I did to, to try and get that opportunity is I had a mostly actionable portfolio and I had a couple of like character pieces just in there um, to try and get the outside chance. So hopefully that makes sense. Definitely. Um... And then one other question. We'll have this be the, the last question. I think it very much ties in to the previous one, uh, but we'll go ahead and ask it as well just to kind of see some of the differences. Uh, the GOAT asks, 
What should I do if I can't stick to anything besides portrait painting and portrait sculpting? This isn't easily monetized, I've found. Uh, I would put this question specifically to a portrait painter or, um, or a portrait sculptor, perhaps. But I think there is a lot of opportunity for this kind of work. If you slightly expand on it, of course, you can get jobs like um, in miniature companies, because so many of them are on Patreon these days and on Kickstarter. And for portrait painting, if you expand it to things like animal portraits are very, very common, or um, D&D portraits, also super, super popular. Um, slight clever strategization uh, over here might be super, super good um, to allow you to benefit a lot more from things that you like. So think about where your make or break point is, right? So I like doing portraits, that's fine. What kind of portraits do I like doing? Is it exclusively human? Is, is it exclusively super real? Is it exclusively just on the face? Can I do a little bit more of the of the bust? Can I do a little bit more of the kind of like um, waist up, right? Um, do I have to do it of like real people? Can it be a little bit more concepty, things that don't actually exist, or some design on the face, right? Do I actually have to sculpt this portrait um, uh, in, a, in a manner that is simply usable by like, um, just by looking at it as a, as a steel or something, or can I do it in a way that can be printed? Can I do it in a way that can be used as an asset pack by other modelers? Right, there's a lot of ways to go about this. So of course, get specific information. But from my side, I think it's worth thinking about how can I leverage my love for portraits and figure out what can I use from this love, right? What can I kind of translate this love into that there's already a demand for, right? So there is already a demand for portrait painting. Uh, Facebook, I think, is probably where I got the most amount of work for that and also Reddit. Um, but also, if you want to work a job um, professionally like this, right, then I think it's worth thinking about like the other options that I mentioned because you can just slightly tweak it and uh, be able to really benefit from it. Like for example, uh, recently I had a student, uh, sorry, I had a, a person message me about wanting to get into splash art and prop illustration and their splash art was just not at the same level as the prop. So I said, hey man, why don't you take your prop illustration, market it as prop illustration as well, sure, as prop design, sorry, and also market it as icon, icon design. Because he looked, it looked just like the icons in Dark Souls, and now he's getting an interview, I think, at uh, the guys that make um, this is like a new WoW game, WoW kind of, I think, like Ashes of Creation is what it's called. He's getting an interview at those people because he does something very specific, and he managed to like leverage it, right? Because icon design and um, prop painting are not exactly the same thing, but they're within the realm that he's comfortable doing both, and one of them is super employable. And one of the, the other one is like super specific, which uh, may not be as uh, easily attainable. So take what you know you like and think about how you can leverage it into things that are needed. Um, and hopefully that'll make some amount of sense. And of course, I really encourage you to message people. If you see portraits, paintings, or if you see sculpting on ArtStation, find the people, message the people, say, hey man, where do you work? Well, what did you do to get there? Here's some of my work. These kind of things. I'll specific advice because I know there's so many like D&D books out there that need character portraits in them. Um, hard to say if you can exclusively get hired for it, but maybe you can. Just depends. And um, see if you can pivot off of your love for the stuff and then get into more actionable jobs um, that way. So hopefully that makes some sense. 100%. Uh, just to add on to that, just because I, I like analogies, um, I've heard of this presented in the way of like, don't change the product, but change the package. So the idea being that you figure out what parts of portrait painting or portrait sculpting you love don't change that, but you can change how you present it. 
So maybe it's D&D portraits, or maybe it's, um, you know, private, like, commission type stuff. Or maybe if you're a sculptor, like, you know, metaverse stuff is taking off, maybe you are sculpting 3D models of people based on them so that they can be in the metaverse, like, as themselves. Like, if you know what parts you're not willing to compromise on, stick with those, compromise on everything else, and change the packaging or the marketing of what you're doing so that you're still doing the parts that are important to you, and then the rest can be tweaked to fit the industry. Yep, solid. I agree. All right. Well, I think we'll go ahead and call it there. Thank you so much for hanging out, man. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to swing by. Um, is there anything else you want to want to say to the crew here before we before we call it? Yeah, not much. Um, besides, just figure out what your goals are, guys. Figure it out early. Make sure you're striving towards them whenever you can, whatever time you can make available for it. And uh, yeah, try to. Uh, value and try to provide value to your communities uh, be it this one or whatever ones you hang out with because the people you're talking to right now could very well be people you're working with in the immediate future so work hard it's a fun industry to get into don't get discouraged and uh yeah don't forget to put a lot of heart and soul into your into your daily life because honestly the shit's it's so it's so freaking cool uh working this job working a job that you really enjoy so hopefully if that's in concept art or the entertainment industry as a whole or wherever you're all going to be striving towards getting that uh, relatively soon if you haven't already so cheers guys appreciate the opportunity thank you um thank you grant for uh, getting me on this talk thanks uh, sticks as well for putting me up to this as well in the first place but that's all i have to say uh and if any of you guys are interested um is this when i can plug my stuff i don't yeah, even know go if that's even appropriate plug away. um but if <laughs> if anybody listening um wants to um get uh, advice on trying to break into the industry i do run a mentorship um, you're welcome to message me on ArtStation at uh, Indiana Abroad, or just search James Patel on um, Google. I think that's the first result. And alternatively, you're welcome to message me on uh, Discord as well at James Patel hash three eight four two. But always willing to hand, lend a ear and lend a hand, uh, whether it's paid or not. So always welcome to uh, catch me on any Discord and uh, ask me any questions because nothing excites me more than helping people or just talking about art in general. This is basically my entire life, so. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't have it any other, any other way. But yeah, cheers. Thanks for the opportunity. That's it for this month. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify if you enjoyed this episode, and share it with a friend if you know someone who may find this information useful. For more resources or for more information about the Workhouse, hop on over to artworkhouse.org, where you'll be able to join our lively moderated community, and where you can find tons of free resources like reference photos, other sessions, recordings, and job postings for artists who want to further their career or their skills. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next month.